are tons of podcasts on the internet where the host is underqualified. This is not one of those podcasts. Mark Skelton has a bachelor's in psychology, a master's in clinical mental health counseling, and currently working on his doctorate in clinical psychology. And he has over 10 years of working in the field of psychology. Qualified. Qualified. If it's mental health, psychology, empowerment, and self-improvement, he knows his stuff. During this show, you'll learn about general topics of psychology concepts and theories. Everything from neuroscience, psychology of fear, brain foods, psychoanalysis, what is therapy, what is depression. This is The Skelton Report, and this is your host, Mark Nathaniel Skelton. What's up? This is Mark Nathaniel Skelton. Welcome to The Skelton Report, a podcast for the people. If you are joining us for the first time, you are my honored guest. And if you are returning, you know I appreciate the love and the support. Just want to check in with you. Hope you got a big smile on your face. Hope your day is going great. And I hope it gets even better. We're keeping the book review going on Breaking the Chains of Psychological Slavery by Dr. Naeem Akbar having some great conversations around this book, around some of the topics that it covers. Just a disclaimer, I am not a spokesman and our interpreter of Dr. Naeem Akbar's work, but I think it's so important for us to lift up some of the experts who can shed some light on some of society's situations. And once again, you know, it doesn't matter if you're of the majority or minority population, I ask you to tune in because I think we all can learn a little bit of something from this book because we are all in this thing together. So let's go ahead and dive into episode eight, We're talking about a sense of inferiority within the African-American population. Let's get started with an experiment that involves dolls, African-Americans and the U.S. Supreme Court. See, this idea of inferiority growing in our personality has a reality in our history in this landmark case of Brown versus the Board of Education. I think we all know about this historical court decision where the U.S. Supreme Court made the decision to legally end segregation in public schools. What's this got to do with a sense of inferiority with African-Americans? Let me get there. This doll experiment played a significant role in this decision of legally ending segregation in public schools. Well, there was Thurgood Marshall. This was the first African-American Supreme Court justice and his legal team relied upon the work of a group of social scientists who had been studying the effect of segregation on black children. Now, what happened was Marshall asked Kenneth and Mammy Clark to repeat experiments with school children from South Carolina that they conducted in New York City in the 1930s. Now, why this is important is we got to stop here. Kenneth and Mammy Clark were both black psychologists. They held doctorates in psychology. They was married, a dynamic duel, and they was doing a social experiment. And in this experiment, the Clarks handed black children four dolls. The dolls were identical, except that two had a dark colored skin and two had light colored skin. The Clarks asked the children questions such as which doll 
was nice? Which dolls were bad? Which doll is most like you? Okay, so they're, they're handing these black children dolls. The dolls was either white that they got or the dolls either dark colored or black that they got. What do you think the results were? The results of the test showed that the majority of black children preferred the white dolls to the black dolls. The children were saying that the black dolls were bad and that the white dolls looked just like them. To the Clarks, these tests provided solid proof that enforced segregation stamped African-American children with a badge of inferiority that would last the rest of their lives. The argument swayed the U.S. Supreme Court Chief Justice Earl Warren in writing the court's opinion noted that the legal segregation and separation of black children gave them, watch this, a feeling of inferiority as to their status in the community that may affect their hearts and their minds in a way unlikely to ever be undone. This is from NPS.gov, National Park Service, National Historic State, Kansas. You can find this for yourself. It's it's widely known. The question is, is there still a feeling of infer inferiority in the African-American community? Where does this feeling of inferiority originate? And so Dr. Akbar wants us to consider that another one of the most destructive characteristics from slavery and that is the characteristic of a sense of inferiority in African-American people. He believes that this is one of the most discussed topics from psychologists and can be the explanation for many and nearly every aspect of African behaviors today. So let's keep this in mind, this idea of self-hatred and themes of low self-esteem. Keep these in mind when we go over the three points of dehumanization of the African-American, a sense of inferiority, and living with this inferiority complex and this sense of um, inferiority today. So let's talk about it. Let's get on the first point, dehumanization of African-Americans. Dr. Akbar states that through a systematic process, it was necessary to dehumanize the proud african in order to maintain them as slaves, okay? Make them think that they are less and you've accomplished your goal. Now, I wanted to lift up a quote that I just thought was so powerful from Carter G. Woodson's book, The Miseducation of the Negro, that captures this, this idea. It says, the problem of holding the Negro down, therefore, is easily solved when you control a man's thinking, you do not have to worry about his actions. You do not have to tell him not to stand here or go yonder. He will find the, his proper place and will stay in it. You do not need to send him to the back door. He will go without being told. In fact, if there is no back door, he will cut one for his special benefit. Mm, that'll preach. So what he's saying is, you know, you make someone feel less, you don't have to keep telling them they'll begin acting in that way. And so that was the systematic process that was taking place towards African-Americans during slavery. As Dr. Akbar highlights, and he uses some examples. This was done by humiliating and dehumanizing acts, such as, as we all know, public beatings, parading African-Americans on slave blocks, unclothed, 
inspecting slaves as if they were cattle or horses. Remember, this was chattel slavery, and that means you deemed these individuals as properties. We were seen as property, and property, as we saw in the last episode, doesn't get married. Property cannot have souls, and that was some of the justification for these heinous acts towards Africans during this period. Also, another way was preventing means of building self-respect and self-worth by forbidding communication with other slaves, as well as, and this is very important, you have to put an asterisk next to this, separating young children from their mothers. He highlights that mothers, a mother's love might cultivate some self-respect in the children. So let me lift up some of the theories that I've learned from professional psychology and just mental health overall, and that's attachment theory. I don't know if you're familiar with this term, but attachment theory, we're going to talk about that a little bit here. Let's park it right here. Attachment theory places great emphasis on the parent-child relationship and how it's foundational in mediating the course of social and emotional maturity, as well as self-esteem and how you relate to others. See this from Davies and, and Troy 2020. The major proponents of this theory was John Bowlby. He was a British psychiatrist and psychoanalyst. And Mary Ainsworth, an American-Canadian psychologist, were the notable theorists responsible for formulating, validating, and refining this particular school of thought. Let's, let's go a little deeper. Let's go on in the hood. So what jo John Bowlby discovered was that children had an innate need and strong emotional desire to attach to a specific person. This attachment figure is usually the biological mother, but can also be any family member and caregiver that plays a significant role in their life. The purpose of the attachment between the parent and child was to provide the developing child a medium to regulate affect, that means the way that they're behaving and responding emotionally, their arousal, to express feelings and communication and supply a secure base for exploration. You see what I'm saying? So basically everything for a child to regulate itself, it needs a healthy parent in order to do that with. And what was going on during this time was that children were being ripped away from their parents. What impact do you think that they had? Also, Mary Ainsworth also contributes to this attachment theory was uh, the classification of different attachment styles, which is it's pretty interesting. These attachment styles are carried forward in the future. So what do I mean by that? So there was like four categories. We're not going to get into the weeds on this thing, but basically there's secure attachment, and that's when the parent responds emotionally appropriate to the child. There's insecure, avoidant attachment, insecure, uh, ambivalent uh, resistant. That's when a, a parent is maybe inconsistent with how they respond to a child. One parent may not respond to the child at all. A poor quality of responding and maltreatment that that creates an insecure, disorganized attachment. That makes sense, right? And so basically, these different ways that the parents may have responded and our caregivers, our child's environment impacts that child to the point where it tells us that this model. The model of the early parent-child relationship becomes unconscious, becomes an unconscious filter, an organizer of a child's perception of future relationships and self-worth. So basically how the child was raised impacts how they're going to relate when they get older. Okay. And so when you think about the child suffering, basically you can see 
that there's tons of studies of foster homes or orphanages and how they have a negative impact on the child's attachment and how they how successful they are later in life. Well, imagine a slave environment that had to be worse, 10 times worse. And then you combine this. So we're, we're talking about self-worth and inferiority. What impact do you think that had? Combined with insults, loss of cultural tradition, rituals, family life, religion, and even their names, Dr. Akbar states, this served to, watch this, cement the loss of self-respect. Wow. And so this is going to transition us right to the next point of self-hatred and a sense of inferiority. That was what the psychological impact of this dehumanization was. That makes sense. So what happens is we, if we look at this, the A of this self-hatred and self-inferiority was, Dr. Akbar highlights that the slave master was made to be superior to the slave. Africans were seen, as he highlights, as dirty, half human. And so inevitably, this led to a sense of inferiority to grow into the African-American personality. Now, there actually is a theory on this. We're going to be a little theory heavy today just to, you know, put some meat on the bones, make it make sense. This sense of inferiority. If you heard of the inferiority complex. All right. That's actually a theory that comes from Alfred Adler. I don't know if you've heard that phrase before. Inferiority complex. Let me give you a little background on that. It comes from an individual by the name of Alfred Adler. He's an Austrian medical doctor, psychotherapist, and founder of the School of Individual Psychology. He had a break with Sigmund Freud, who was the founder of psychoanalysis and all that. But at the end of the day, he emphasizes, he puts an emphasis on the importance of feeling inferior and inferiority. And he coined the term inferior complex and recognized it as an isolated element which plays a key role in personality development. So let me give you a little idea of this theory. If you check out North American Society of Adlerian Psychology, it's um, alfredadler.org, tells us that according to Adler, each individual has a weak area in his or her body. And see, I actually bought... One of his books, one of his well-known books, Understanding Human Nature by Alfred Adler. And he talks about how it usually begins with this organ inferiority, which tends to be the area which where illness occurs, such as the stomach or the head or the heart or the back or the lungs. All right. And I propose from what I'm learning, the skin is one of the largest organs of the body. And I think that's kind of where the African-American feeling begins because that was torn down and stigmatized so much for us. So we can think about it that way, you know, that's where our metaphorically organ inferiority begins. And so for most people, it begins with a body part and then kind of grows from there into more of the psyche. And Adler said, that to some degree, every emotion, I hope that makes sense, every emotion finds expression in the body. From his understanding of organ inferiority, Adler began to see each individual having a feeling of inferiority. Adler wrote, 
to be a human being means to feel oneself inferior. The child comes into the world as a helpless little creature surrounded by powerful adults. So you can see that how everybody on a on a micro level, you know, can can feel inferior inferior at some point because as a child, you are inferior. You're you're cared for. All right, you can't do anything on your own. You have these once again powerful adults around you guiding you, teaching you, telling you what to do, when to go to bed, when to wake up and, and when to eat, all these things. So a child is motivated by feelings of inferiority to strive for greater things. Okay. And so according to his theory, what is supposed to happen is these feelings of inferiority are supposed to activate or motivate a person to strive upward so that Normal feelings of inferiority impel the human being to solve his or her problems successfully. Whereas if you heard the, the saying of inferiority complex, that's when they are impeded or it prevents one from doing so. So if you're to the point, if you're feeling so inferior and then you're motivated to change, then you overcome your inferiority. But if you're to the point where you're frozen or traumatized so much that you don't even try or try to get out of your your stump or your lower feeling and your lower status of self, then you have developed an inferiority complex. And so that's just a thought to play around with. Is, is that what's going on? Do we feel like we are so doomed that we cannot get out of our situation? It's just a thought. I thought it was interesting also in his book that such children frequently have a sentiment as early as their second year of life. You can even feel this feeling that early in life, and that can be seen and manifested in, in the research that we opened up with with Dr. Kenneth and Mamie Clark. So this is something to think on. Do we have have we felt like we have been in this so long, and that is we feel worthless to the point we can't get out of it? Well, that's why we're having these talks. I think this. Here, this talk is a turning point because on the future ones, we are going to be talking about what needs to be done to liberate our minds from some of these traumas, these ghosts of the plantation, as Dr. Akbar puts it, that continue to haunt us. All right. He, he kind of outlines in today, has African-Americans developed an inferiority complex from the slavery experience? That's my thoughts and questions. But Dr. Akbar states he believes that slavery and these feelings of inferior, this sense of inferiority still has an impact. He feels that a sense of inferiority still affects us in many ways. How? Well, he feels that our attempts to westernize our appearance is based upon this sense of inferiority. The persistent tendency to think of dark skin as unattractive. I think we've all heard also, he highlights this idea of kinky hair is bad hair. We heard this argument of good hair versus bad hair and how African features are less appealing. He highlights that this lack of respect for African-American leadership and expertise. We had an episode on that a couple uh, shows back on how African-American, the lack of African-American leadership and respect for African-American leadership and their expertise. Also, the high black on black homicide rate in many ways is indicative of a fundamental disrespect for black lives growing out of this sense of inferiority. And if we get a chance and the Lord wills, we'll go over some of the 
sections in the book by Dr. Amos Wilson titled Black on Black Violence, The Psychodynamics of Black Self-Annihilation in Service of White Domination. This is a book by Dr. Wilson who kind of really digs into this idea of black on black crime and gives a psychodynamic outlook as to why this is taking place. Because Dr. Akbar highlights, if you love yourself, you don't typically destroy yourself. So the idea is as a collective, do we love ourselves? Because if we did love ourselves, we probably would not be killing ourselves at the rate that we currently do. Also, another point is the limited number of powerful and dignified images of African-Americans in the media. I know episode back where we did um, black in their entertainment and how today it seems like there's not too many African-American scholars and intellectuals when you compare it to the African-American entertainers and maybe sports players and comedians that are on on the big screen as opposed to the scholars. So that's something to think about. And just our community as a whole, he talks about we're typically more the clown, the servant, the crooks. This is how we're portrayed on the media. This maintains the sense of inferiority and reduces our sense of self-respect. He also highlights that we remain to be the consumers and laborers rather than the manufacturers, the planners, the managers. This has a lot to do with the sense of inferiority. And so what do we do with this? He ends off this section by talking about we can reverse, and this is the spirit that I'm coming in, we can reverse the destructive effects of slavery by looking to strengths in our past and beginning to make plans for our future. Dr. Akbar continues to say, if we begin to direct our children's attention to strong images like themselves, they will grow in respect. We must honor and exalt our own heroes, and thus heroes must be people who have done the most to dignify us as a people. The ability to influence our environments in some small way is the first step towards building or restoring our self-respect. So I, I hope that's enough. Just, you know, food for thought to make you think. And, how, you know, basically what we went over is this feeling of inferiority, all right, that we may carry around consciously or unconsciously may come from the dehumanization that took place towards us during slavery, what psychological impact this has had on us, that we may think less less than of ourselves. And then what that does is, and why that's important is, we begin to behave in that way. And so we don't aspire to go higher in life. We may be content with where we are at. And uh, that's where we're here. And that's what, that's the point of this discussion is to maybe challenge that a little bit and start thinking about and help understanding where this comes from and that we can do something about it. And so the next episodes now, we're going to kind of turn the leaf now and start taking a look at some of the ways that we can liberate the black mind, some of the ways of liberating ourselves from mental slavery and, you know, start, start aiming higher. All right. So that's what we got to look forward to. I hope this was a blessing to you as it was for me. I got a jet, got some studying to do, but I will catch you on the next go around. You have a great week and make it a good one. Peace. You've been listening to The Skelton Report. 
Mark is an expert in mental health, psychology, empowerment, and self-improvement. This show is informative about science, research, and literature within professional psychology. If it's neuroscience, psychology of fear, brain foods, psychoanalysis, diving in depth about therapy and depression, and speaking to stigmas and issues within the minority and church communities. It's all here. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we hope you got some practical and useful information. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Skelton underscore Neuro. Check out the website at SkeltonNeuroCounseling.com. And if you have questions or comments, email Mark at SkeltonNeuroscience at gmail.com. Till next time, this is the Skelton Report, signing off for now.